Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. I'm Chuck. And uh, this week, uh, we don't have a guest. We decided we had some uh, listener questions we wanted to answer and uh, some email or I guess emails we wanted to read um, and talk about uh, two that have been kind of uh, sitting there waiting. (laughs) And then uh, we had some stuff that Chuck and I were talking about um, that we thought would be an interesting conversation in light of, uh, you know, just things that uh, we've been talking about and and I recently had somebody comment to me about um my law enforcement background and you know was talking to them cuz they had tried to get into law enforcement and they'd said you know they found the testing process difficult and I had said that I didn't find it that difficult I mean it, it was it sucks it's like you know a slog but you know he goes Plus, because your dad was in law enforcement, so it was probably, you know, easier for you. And I thought about that, and Chuck and I wanted to talk about the, because we're both children of people in law enforcement. And whether you go into law enforcement or not, being a kid of a cop is, it's it's almost like being a pastor's kid. You know, there's a very specific, like, club of, oh, your dad was a cop, mine too. Or your mom was a cop, mine too. And then you have mutual experiences you can discuss am i right yeah and those are the two wildest fucking people to party with because they have something to prove <laughs> or disprove so they right. go a little bit extra yeah exactly so um i wanted to get into some of that today but uh in the meantime uh i thought we would get into at least one email um that has been kind of waiting uh, for us to to read it. So, um, the first email we have today that I wanted to read, Chuck, and I wanted to get. I don't. This was one sent to me, so I don't think you've seen this one. So this will be this will be fun that you get to uh, cool. hear it cold. But um, cool. this listener and it requested anonymity. Anonymity. God, I can't speak anonymity. today. Anonymity. Um, uh, it says uh, thoughts an issue going on up north and wanted to see what you thought of it as a potential topic um eddie gallagher and y'all if you don't know who eddie gallagher is he was the navy seal that was brought up on charges for um, a mercy killing if you you know uh, if you subscribe to it the way i do (laughs) he pissed off his teammates i think is what happened i think so and they said some shit they motherfucked (laughs) they got pardoned he got pardoned Um, so he posted on instagram uh and uh, there was a video um, made by an account. I think the the account, if I read this right, is called Angry Cops. Made an emotional video about it. But um, he says, a Canadian veteran reached out to the Veteran Affairs of Canada. I guess that's their version of like the VA. Um, mm-hmm. And he was seeking help for his PTSD and traumatic brain injury sustained while serving in the Canadian Armed Forces. The uh canadian va personnel on the phone with him encouraged him to go the route of medically assisted suicide or as the government funded media in canada put oh. it me- uh-huh. medical assistance oh, yes. in dying yeah so well let me pump the brakes for it okay yeah when the veteran told the vac personnel he didn't want to take that route the vac personnel told him he had already assisted one vet to end it but don't worry, we got his children counseling after the fact. And the media in Canada did not disclose that this individual <clears throat> had encouraged another member of the veterans community to follow that option. Uh, the last reports heard were that the Veteran Affairs of Canada personnel who suggested this is still manning the phones, though the Canadian government has promised that there will be an investigation. I'm disgusted Mm -hmm. by my country's treatment of vets under this current administration. I have multiple friends serving in the Canadian Armed Forces, including my best friend. I was medically DQ'd in 2018, so I don't get the honor. But that being said, as a civilian, how can I help my friends? I know I don't have the experiences, so is it even my place to help? I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. 
I've sent a link to the local news websites about the article. Um, yeah, that one upset me. So <clears throat> I don't know if you've been following it, but I've been doing nothing but watching the fucking news and it's kind of like horrible. Um, <clears throat> Turning Point USA uh, put something out um, about Canada and there was a Canadian up there and she's, I guess, a, a Republican and um, a more conservative Canadian. <clears throat> and she was talking about how Canada last year enacted a uh, assisted suicide thing where you could go um, and get assisted suicide or help committing suicide and the year that she was talking about they had already assisted 10,000 people and in, in dying and she's like it, this is a sinister thing that the canadian government has put forth right well it's not even a dark secret they just they, it's out there kind of like their free health care they're like oh free health care for everyone free death for everyone and she's like i think she and she was like putting some hypotheses together where it's like this is pretty dark because if they really want to fucking silence you they just say oh well he he killed himself assisted suicide and he really just got murdered so or she got murdered it's so it's a way to silence people if you know like how the secret police were silencing jews or or whatever and just killing them and this is kind of somewhat reminiscent of that and from what i was getting gathering uh, when she was saying it but canada has put forth this this new initiative of assisted suicide and they're killing people left and right they're 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 Hillary Clinton the fuck out of them. You know, they're getting Clintoned up there big time um, with this assisted suicide. And that's bullshit where someone's hurting. They call a veterans helpline and they're like, hey, man, I'm struggling. They're like, hey, why don't you just kill yourself? Go fuck yourself. Why don't you just kill yourself? That's fucking horrible. Shame on you, Canada. And yes, dude, you are a civilian, but it doesn't matter. Those are your buddies. It doesn't matter what they're going through. They're your fucking buddies and you should be talking to them and you should be trying to get them help. Um, or helping them or just talking to them. Yeah, you may not be able to empathize, you be able to empathize, but not um you won't be able to to basically say, Oh, I know what you're going through. But anytime someone's struggling, you still don't know what they're going through because you're not going through exactly what they're going through, and everyone else is different. So it doesn't matter if you went to war, it doesn't matter if if you haven't been in a shootout, you can still help someone struggling because they're your friends and you know them the best. So yeah, absolutely, it's your place if you want to help them, help them. I mean, it, and I think it would only do good. It's not going to do harm. And if they're like, "Hey, man, I thank you for the help, but I think I really need to talk to someone who's been through what I've gone through," then help them find uh, that person. Because I can tell you, when you are struggling with shit like that, it's kind of hard to function. So just by giving them the help that they that they they need, and, and maybe helping them helping facilitate someone to talk to that's been through that stuff or finding them a help group or support group online would be so helpful. I mean, and they would thank you in the long run. So yeah, absolutely. It's your place. I would agree with everything that Chuck just said. And I would add that um, if they're your friends, it's your duty. Um, yeah, absolutely. You may be able to just simply say, Hey, I wasn't there, but I'm here to listen or maybe we can, I can help you find somebody that you're more comfortable talking to, or I can just sit with you and be with you and, you know, make sure you're not alone or, or, you know, whatever. Um, so I looked at, cause I, I was pretty, I was pretty upset by this to say the least. And I didn't, oh, it's fucking horrible. like this email came in and I've been sitting on it cause we've had guests scheduled and I really wanted to talk about it. Um, I looked it up. Okay. And this is from August of this year. Um, and it's an article entitled Canadian soldiers suffering with PTSD offered euthanasia by veteran affairs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And this is dude, not, this serious? is not from, uh, th th this is, I looked it up. There's articles on the New York post, Fox news, WP, like it, it's all over. It's, it's not like turning point, you know, only, or right. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So just before yeah. you be like, Oh, where are you getting that news from? I'm telling you right now, it's everywhere. You can like, you type in Canadian veteran. And then the first suggestion that comes up says offered euthanasia. Okay. Yeah. So it's out there, but the or Canadian they, assisted suicides, right? So it says a Canadian armed veteran suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and a traumatic brain injury was offered medical assistance in dying by an employee of Veteran Affairs Canada. The VAC released a statement last week admitting 
to an incident where, quote, medical assistance in dying was discussed inappropriately with the veteran, unquote. Uh, the department pledged that, quote, appropriate administrative action will be taken, unquote, after the veteran expressed outrage at the suggestion, according to the report in Global News. Wow. The report also said the veteran called the VAC seeking support for his PTSD when an employee brought up medical assistance in dying or made, um, which is hmm. euthanasia. For those of you who don't know what medical assistance in dying, they call it made. Oh, made him die. That's because uh, they, they dehumanize it. Mm -hmm. And so um, he felt he felt he was being betrayed by the VA when they offered it to him. And then it goes on to talk about uh, how the this ordeal raised fears that the exchange may not have been an isolated incident, leading to questions about how often the agency has offered or discussed made with veterans suffering from PTSD. The agency has apologized to the veteran. Oh, that was nice. You apologize. And a follow-up call after the incident resulted in several complaints with and the VAC said, We deeply regret what transpired. Um no, you don't. So it first of all, discussing uh assisted suicide with a veteran is apparently not within the scope of what the VAC can do. And that's some that's some fucking crazy shit. They're just that shit's popping yes. off down there. So I looked up the law because the law changed. It says in this article when the law changed, I think it was like 2017 when Dude, they've been new laws. Them. Yeah, new laws uh went into effect. Wow. And I looked, it says, so here's here's what <laughs> okay. Oh gosh. On March 17th, 2021, the government of Canada announced that this is off of Canada.ca's website. So I'm uh -huh. not like, okay. no, yeah. March 17th, 2021, the government of Canada announced that changes to Canada's medical assistance in dying law are officially <laughs> in force. The new law includes changes to eligibility, procedural safeguards, and the framework for the federal government's data collection and reporting regime. So they're collecting data on this. So. <laughs> If you don't think they know like who's being offered this, like they fucking know they're collecting data and uh, we'll just go kill them later. We can read reports about medically, you know, made in, oh my God. in Canada. So it says um, they have an about section, right? And then they have um, the, who can provide medical assistance in dying. Right. Um, which is, physicians and nurse practitioners right so doctors who took i would think the hippocratic oath to first do no harm right um dude, fuck it dude yeah and then <laughs> uh pharmacists and pharmacy techs what <laughs> they can provide help they can't actually do the the thing but they can provide help Family members, healthcare providers who help physicians. Um, yeah, it it's kind of crazy. Like basically, it's saying you know you can allow it. It's not you know you won't go to prison for it. Um, and and it's it does say not all healthcare providers are comfortable with medical assistance in dying. Participating in medical assistance in dying may not be consistent with the provider's beliefs and values. This federal legislation does not force any person to provide help or to provide medical assistance in dying. Well, fucking gee whiz. Thanks for being so sweet and not mandating that doctors kill their patients. That was really nice of you. Uh, and then I, I looked up um, two types of medical assistance in dying for Canadians. Uh, a physician or nurse practitioner can directly administer a substance that causes death, such as an injection of a drug. Um, which is crazy to me that we're all, like doctors can do this, but we can't, but we have fucking people on death row suing about lethal injection. Like, Hey, we know you served in the military and we're going to assist you in dying by giving you a hot shot of something. Well, and then I guess you do. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's or turn into just murdering people you can provide a prescription drug that that uh the eligible person 
eligible person, by the way. That's how they describe the suicidal subject. Eligible person. Dehumanizing it. Takes themselves in order to bring about their own death. This is becoming known as self-administered medical assistance in dying. There's a fucking word for self-administered medical assistance in dying. It's called suicide. Mm-hmm. There's w- the taking of That's one's own dark. life. Too dark. And, and like directly like available made options, two types of medical assistance. Uh, a di- physician directly administers the injection of the drug. That's called homicide. Right. There's homicide or suicide. Those are your two options. And hey, I get that this dude's giving consent or this gal's giving consent. But you know how many times I pointed my gun at a suspect who's like, come on, just fucking kill me. Right. I should be and, legally and right. allowed to shoot him. <laughs> we, we could if have been he like, can the, give me you, consent to search his car. Do you know then, how many? Mm-hmm. How many? Like, if we yeah. could go, I don't have enough fingers or toes. I, so I, I I don't know if I've ever mentioned this because it's not really a big story. So I, I I remember one time we went to and talk about like um, what you say, you know, use of force being your your words, you know, and verbal judo and things you could say. So right. this was one incident where we went to a house, um, me and my sergeant, um, we get there. It's like 1130 at night. Neighbors are calling about a disturbance. This motherfucker's out in the front yard, drunk as shit with a baseball bat swinging for the fences and we're not going anywhere near do the baseball bat we're not getting our heads smashed in we're going to make him drop the bat and then we'll go and talk to him so he's like put we're like put down the fucking bat and he's like fuck you guys right so he's got a deadly weapon and he's within running distance of smashing our brains in we drew our guns and we told him put the bat down both for our safety and for the safety of the other people in the front yard that he had been causing a problem with right and I, I had, I had my front sight picture. I had my sergeant next to me. I had, you know, I had, I was ready to go. I was high index, but I was ready to go. And I said, "Put the fucking bat down now." And he says, "Fuck you, pigs! Come on, just fucking kill me." Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what made me think of this, but I leaned over to my sergeant and I said, "Hey, Sarge." Is that consent? And just consented to death. <laughs> Shut up, dude. And the guy with the bat goes, uh, and his eyes get real big and he drops the bat. <laughs> Cause I think at that moment his drunk ass was like, Wait, did I just consent to letting them kill me? And can they actually do it because I told them to? Right. And he didn't That's he funny. didn't know. He's like, Oh no, no, I'm good. I'm just I'm just fucking around. I'm just fucking around. I'm good. like it, it's happened so many times that I cannot even keep track, but I know I don't have enough fingers or toes on my body, which is about 18. So <clears throat> yeah, um, your kill count would be up there. Just kidding guys. It's 20. I have all my fingers and toes. <laughs> I'm not a weirdo, but yeah, no, I would, I would, I would be up there because there's so many people that are just off their rocker having a bad day and saying that, Hey, just fucking kill me. And so if, if, if physicians are able to do that, why not cops? Why don't we just yeah. like fucking anyone who says, Hey, I want to die. Didn't matter than means or or, or roadside execution with watch commander boom. approval. Hey, he said he wanted to. Okay, <laughs> that is this is so sinister, and obviously I don't con- like condone like right. We're not seriously talking this about a fucking joke. Like, yeah, but what's happening is not a joke, and what's going on over in Canada is very sinister. It's very scary. And if you think that shit's not going to come to the U.S., it's already here. Yeah. Well, so in order to be eligible, because I wanted to find this out. Oh, you got to be eligible. Was it like 16? Well, so here you go. 15? <laughs> so to you, in order to be eligible for medical assistance in dying, you must meet all the following criteria. You must be eligible for health services funded by the federal government or a province or territory or during the applicable minimum period of residence or waiting period for eligibility. Generally, visitors to Canada are not eligible for medical assistance in dying. I can only assume this is in there because... There are people here that are like, I need to, I need to commit assisted suicide. So I'm going to go to Canada and see a Canadian right. doctor and get them to do it. Right. That so, right. so. Okay. I guess kind of, they're like, look, we, we, we think it's the right thing to do to help people kill themselves, but we don't want Americans coming here to do it. Right. <laughs> but they, all they have to do is go to like Seattle or, 
or whatever Portland, I think okay, it's one of those right. two places where you can do it and it's assisted by a medical professional, but you have to be a, you know, a resident yeah. there. You got to yeah. have a doctor there. And then, yeah, 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 I don't know which, what the criteria are there. Uh, you must be at least 18 years old and mentally competent. This means being capable of making healthcare decisions for yourself. Okay. Mentally competent. So when you're struggling with something that is a mental illness or is a mental condition or is like, we're not talking about like, you know, somebody who is like Metallica's one lost their arms and their legs and their nose and their ears and their eyes. And they're just sitting there on the bed, tapping their head with the Morse code saying, kill me, please. That's not what we're talking about. Right. That guy we're talking about, like somebody who walks in and says, Hey, I'm depressed. I think right. I'm going to, I think I want to kill myself. Can you help me? And you go, yeah, we can help you kill yourself. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. Like, um, so there's that they have to be mentally competent, which again, begs the question are veterans who are actively thinking suicidal thoughts about self-harm. Are they mentally competent to say that that's what they want to do? Are you freaking kidding me? We have to, we actually have to have that discussion. Like yeah. it shouldn't like, the, the the you would think it's always erring on the side of no we should help people live um right here's the one that kills me you have to have a quote grievous and irremediable medical condition and make a voluntary request for medically assisted uh a medical assistance in dying that is not the result of outside pressure or influence well if somebody on the fucking mental helpline is suggesting it is it uh, doesn't that by definition mean that it's outside influence it may not be pressure but it's definitely influence telling somebody that right. they should consider this is influencing their fuck the second you bring it up you're influencing their decision yeah 100 that's just fucking wild dude they don't give a fuck it's shame on you canada and shame on you Trudeau. you fucking dope like dude that is so fucked up. And I know not all Canadians are like this. And obviously, because we have one asking for help. But fuck, dude. That's so sad. Like, shame on the Canadian government for allowing this shit to happen and and for, you know, putting that forward. And I know there's some really good um, Canadians up in, the, uh, up in the government over there. But they're getting shut down left and right by Trudeau. I mean, just look what happened with the whole truckers and stuff like that. And, oh, yeah. And all that stuff where he was arresting people for carrying fucking gas cans. Like, the dude is a fucking nut. And he is the epitome of fucking racism and asshole. I mean, just look at his blackface when it came out. And everyone else is getting reamed. But, oh, no. He's a straight, a hardcore liberal. It's okay that he did that. So the consensus I'm getting is that it's okay if you're a hardcore lib. It's okay. You can be racist. We'll forgive you because you're a lib because you're voting for right. us. Right. And this is just fucking sinister, dude. This is so bad. You should be helping those that make it possible to live your life, not fucking offering to kill them. Yeah. So this is disgusting to me and it yeah. should be disgusting Absolutely. to every one of you. And um, <clears throat> I, I don't give a, two shits about the Canadian government's apology or the oh. veteran affairs of Canada apologizing. No. I hope, I hope the veteran that they apologize to accepts their apology for his own piece or her own piece. I don't, I don't remember if it was a guy or a girl, but um, mm. I, how are we even having this conversation? How the fuck are we even having this? It says, mm. here you go. Here you go. Check this out. Check this out. You're going to love this Chuck. So, Irrever uh, grievous or irremediable medical condition, right? I'm going to read you the criteria and you tell me like if, if PTSD, right? And I get it. They're saying, well, he suffered a traumatic brain injury as well. Yeah, but traumatic brain injuries alter how your brain thinks. And that right. could mean you're not competent. competent. So it says must meet in bold letters, all of the following criteria. Have a serious illness, disease, or disability, excluding a mental illness until March 17th of 2023. So for right now, mental illness doesn't qualify. But fucking March 17th of 2023, you know, you're good to go. Well, oh, they're going to kill all those fucking people off. They're going to be like, oh, they wanted it. They wanted it. We need to make room. They wanted it. They wanted it. Like, it ready. must be in an advanced state of decline that cannot be reversed. 
And then you must experience unbearable physical or mental suffering from your illness, disease, disability, or state of decline that cannot be relieved under conditions that you consider acceptable. So when the Germans fucking rounded up all the Jews and started throwing them in concentration camps and people nowadays, there's some people who are denying it ever happened. However, some people are like, well, how'd that ever happen? Like how, how did it get to that point? This is how it got to that point right here. This right here is how it got to that point. And you, you get one crazy fucking nut in there and he starts making these small little changes. It's like, how did people, how did Venezuela get into communism? How did, how did Cuba get into communism? Well, it's, it's the same. One step at a time. Right. And how you catch a wild pig, you put food down, the food pig comes and eat. You put a, you put one side of the fence up, keep the food there. The pig will still come and eat, gets used to that fence. Well, once it's used to that side of the fence, you put another side up, so on and so forth until that pig comes in and there's three walls up, the food's in this area. He's like, yeah, fuck it. Doesn't look much different. Goes in there and keeps eating, keeps eating, keeps eating. Bam fourth wall comes up now you're fucking stuck now i got you not gonna do whatever i want to you that's how this happens wake up mm-hmm. yeah it's uh, how do you boil a how do you boil a frog <laughs> you put it in cold water and slowly turn up the temperature mm-hmm. it's 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 insidious and the the people of germany were all forced to visit their local concentration camps and dwight eisenhower the Supreme Allied commander at the time said, Hey, I want video and film or not video. I want film and photographs of all of this shit because somebody somewhere someday is going to say that this never happened. And we need to be able to tell them, fuck you. Yes, it did. Well, I I honestly, there are some issues going on in our society today. And I don't, I'm sure those of you who can, who listen to both locker room and war stories, official podcasts know what, my feelings on some of those social issues are but this is one of them i am not against in theory euthanasia in my very libertarian kind of way of thinking it's like dude if your body like if your body is thrashed like i had a i had a a thing that i had signed on my on file at my department i don't want to be kept alive by artificial means like if if i'm fucking vegetable like if you could save me with you know some blood and the cpr you know and and all that okay cool like i didn't have a dnr or anything but i did not want to be kept alive by artificial means it's if they're saying okay we have him on a ventilator he's going to recover you know blah 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 blah, that's fine but my wife knew like if the doctor's like yeah we don't you know this is how he's going to be then no right pull the plug my biggest fear is that my my faith in my religion is correct and yet I get trapped in my body and don't get to like leave. <laughs> and I'm like right. stuck here, <laughs> you know. Um that'd be horrible. So uh th- this is one of those social issues that I think that in the fullness of time, when we look back on how we handled the issue of euthanasia and helping people in their own lives. I think we will be on the wrong side of history on this one. A lot, a big, big portion of society when it comes to like offering yeah. veterans or that fucking girl who talked her boyfriend into killing himself in via text message in the car. And like all these terrible, terrible things that we just as a society are. Oh yeah. You know, whatever. Like, it's one thing for somebody to make that decision for, for themselves and then to go to their, it's a personal thing. I get it. And, and it's sad and it's tragic. And I don't, I, I I'm just grateful. I don't have to deal with those kinds of issues right now. That being said, mm-hmm. to have policies in place and to encourage things like this and to make it like seem like sunshine and rainbows and people, well, we just want to take the stigma out of it. Well, maybe there should be a stigma to it. Maybe it should be something that people should really have to carefully consider and not make a decision like flipping on a light switch or flipping off a light switch in this case. I, I, I just, I think it's being dealt with all too casually. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I think so. It's my, that's my freaking soapbox on it. So yeah. I hope that answers your question and, and, it 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 pisses me off and i 
I wanted to really give that email the time it needed. Um, but Chuck and I were talking about being raised as a cop's kid. <clears throat> and yeah. let's face it, a lot of people that go into law enforcement are the children of people that go into law enforcement, just like a right. lot of people that go into the military are children of people that have served in the military. It seems to be kind of a honor and distinction where you look at what your parent or grandparent did and you you decide you want to make that sacrifice or uh, commit yourself to that kind of service. Right. And I get it. But it does affect you growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think that, um, full disclaimer, both of our dads were cops during the 70s. So um, yeah. this might be a little skewed for like, oh, well, my dad didn't act like that. Okay, we a different time, different time period. Um, yeah. My dad is old as shit. He's in the 70s now. Um, so is my <clears throat> Yeah. So a little bit different. But I think this might be a little bit more harsh than maybe some people because I have talked to some people and they're like, oh, no, my dad was great. He always said I loved you and everything. <laughs> well, yeah, that could be just your dad's dysfunction. But we can talk yeah. about some of the commonalities between our two dads and being like, I'll give you a perfect example. My dad, like. I I was always terrified of getting caught because I knew just how fucking bad it would be if I got caught by my dad's department and he found out and like it it was not oh, going to yeah. be like ooh. oh yeah I I always told people like no I can't I'm not going to drive and the one time I did end up driving fucking little tank that was like hey dude you gotta follow me because if cops get behind us you need to start swerving and get pulled over because you're fine i'm not and you live right down the street like literally I just decoy. Get my truck <laughs> from here to here and we're good it was like 0.2 miles i was like i just need to park it you know because but i cannot get stopped like if i get stopped my life is over and I don't one. I don't want to get my ass kicked by those guys because they know who I am. And two, I don't want to get my ass kicked by my dad because he scares the shit out of me. <clears throat> my dad is a dick. My dad wasn't a dick, but my dad had a temper. Right? <clears throat> oh um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like my dad, it was one of those things where like he was super chill. Like you know, he was the the he tried he tried his best to be like a sitcom dad. You know, kind of a just aw shucks gee whiz you know nice guy but i you know when he was mad he was freaking mad <laughs> and yeah I, my dad whew. i could i could remember being a kid and seeing like you know his police gear and you know he would talk about like hitting people with his baton and and <laughs> you know he'd tell me like and i was like Holy shit, my dad's actually like beat people with a club. Like it, it's like, it's it, he doesn't even have to threaten you with it, just the knowledge that he's done it. Yeah. You know, like it you real like you're like, oh show shit. Like I don't want to like what's the level at which if I piss him off, he's gonna hit me with that thing. And not, yeah. my, my dad never threatened me. I don't want to give that impression. But as a kid, my dad did you have these thoughts. Right, and you you you're not going to control them. Right, yeah, no. And my dad, my fuck, dude, <clears throat> my dad scared the shit out of me, and he was a a cantankerous uh, old man, and still kind of is. I mean, he he still really doesn't say I love you. The first time I heard I love you was when I graduated Marine Corps boot camp, and I was mm -hmm. like, well, that's fucking weird. You know, <clears throat> and that Ew, was kinda... <laughs> the first 18 years of my life. I never heard it. I never heard really much. Uh, only he barely even said good job because he didn't want to give me a ego. Mm. So like I didn't get any praise. Like the dude was the dude was tough. Like he was hard. And, you know, and still to this day, he's still kind of um, that way. And <clears throat> and when he's mad, he's fucking mad and won't talk to you and stuff. And I see a lot of myself in him you know, like now, but like, I, I look at my kids and my, my dad never gave me <clears throat> like an explanation of like, Hey, this is the reason why I'm upset. This is the reason why I snapped and I'm sorry. It was my fault. 
And I've right. never heard that from. So I try to make sure with my kids, because I don't want my kids to grow up the same way I grew up. I want them to be a little bit better. Yes, I'm strict. Yes, I'm tough. I'm stern. I'm also a cop. And I think that being a cop has a lot to do with it. But I always try to make sure, like, I tell them I love you. I tell them if I fucked up, like, hey, yeah. I'm sorry. I yelled yeah. at you. It wasn't your fault. It was 100% my fault. I was upset. It doesn't excuse it, but I was mad. My bad. Hopefully you can forgive me. And I don't really say it that way, but I say, you know, I fucked up. I'm mad. Like it wasn't your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. Just so that they know like, oh man, he's always just getting on me. It it was never my fault. Like, yeah, I fucked up. It was my fault. You know? And, but I think a lot of this toughness and sternness, and I think this is where a commonality of everybody, no matter who you are, what generation you grew up in the gap or whatever, I think being in law enforcement, dealing with everybody, you know, um, you get kind of jaded with certain people or, or mm-hmm. whatever, because you see the worst of that, that group of people or right. the area of people or whatever. So <clears throat> you, you kind of get jaded in that sense and where you're constantly dealing with everyone's bullshit and mm-hmm. everyone you're dealing with them on their worst day. Like there was a scene in, um, uh, what was that Southland where the, the, Training officer is talking to the boot and he's like, you're, you see people on their worst day. Yeah. And it, he was giving this long thing, this ex- explanation. And I'm like, that's 100% exactly it. You, you see people on their worst day. So it's, if you're constantly being immersed and everyone else is garbage, you're going to kind of, it's going to kind of stick on you a little bit, no matter how much you try to de-louse and get it off. It's still going to kind of stick with you. And I think that that's where being tough and stern as a law enforcement father or a kid of law enforcement, you're like, what the fuck? Like, why are you this way? Well, this is the reason that this way, because one, they don't want you to grow up that way, I guess. Mm -hmm. And because I I, kind of see it now, like, I don't want my kids to grow up that way. I want to show them like these people are, are, are not the ones you want to end up like. And I'm going to buy my own default, be kind of tough and strict because I kind of want that to, I, I don't want them to go that way, but I want to have this balance. And I think that's where I'm always like, Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, I fucked up. Hey, it was a little tough, you know, but I'm still stern and I still, what I say fucking matters, you know, like that's how I raise my kids. And that's kind of how I think we were raised a little bit, except a little bit tougher. Oh, a lot point tougher, where, yeah. yeah, I never got those explanations. I never, my got, dad, a, I never got a good job. <laughs> my dad said, he lo- I love you. Um, Oh, that's, that's good. But yeah. he, never apologized and well he did not apologize i did not get a like a legit apology and there's some other like when you like we could have a whole other podcast on locker room about growing up with divorced parents versus growing up with married parents because that's a huge like i i i i don't subscribe to many theories of privilege right i don't like white privilege and all that like no i mean we're all we're all pieces of shit and we all get treated like that until we earn some respect in life that's kind of my theory on it but i will say that i have noticed that there is i think uh my parents stayed married or even if they divorced they were amicable and friendly and did what was best for us and as kids parents versus parents who got divorced and the kids got caught in a fucking war um and had inconsistent parenting and like life just completely turned upside down. That is something I do subscribe to because I think that fucks kids up more than anything else um, beyond even having a cop for dad. But yeah, my dad did apologize for any of his mistakes until our relationship was kind of non-existent. We didn't see each other very often, partly because of distance and partly because of, you know, just where I was at in life and where he was at in life and, you know, just didn't didn't have that closeness. And then he at 19 years old, I was I was almost 20 years old. My dad took me out to lunch and sat me down and explained some things and kind of mea culpa years worth of mistakes and just said, look, I was just trying to do the best I could. I'm sorry. I, I know I messed up. And oh, that must be nice. Well, you know what it made me realize is like. I instantly forgave him, right? Because he said that. But then I was like, dude, I'm going to make mistakes with my kids. So I better, like, I better make sure that that I'm better about it. Right. Like, right. Right. Like that felt, that felt good to have my dad own his mistakes and apologize. And 
I know I'm going to make my own mistakes and I know I'm going to want my kids to forgive me for those mistakes. And so I'm going to try and be better about owning them in the moment, like instantly, like as I go. So they oh, don't, yeah, we don't have hurt. to have this big, like knock down, <clears throat> drag out thing. Right. And to your point, the job does like how many people I've talked to where the kid's like kind of a piece of shit and it's a cop's kid. Right. I have, like cops kids get fucking arrested a lot and hell the the i think um one of the most famous chiefs at lapd n- notoriously had a, a son who was a drug addict and that was one of the reasons why he wanted to start the dare program you know um there 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 is a an element of cops discipline people all fucking day at work they don't want to do it when they get home right they don't like when their kids are acting up or whatever they just they're like, fuck it. I, I don't even want to hear it. Like they they kind of ignore their kids when it comes to discipline because mm-hmm. they're so sick of doing it at work. It's it's kind of like when you have a, a my my a guy I worked for, he was in construction. He said that his dad was a locksmith and every door handle and lock and key they had in their house was fucked up and you know, not fixed. It was because when he went to work, he didn't want to come home and do the same thing. <laughs> you know, right. I mean it's like having a plumber's who's like my toilets are always backed up because i don't want to fix it when i come home it's work you know i want to just relax um but i had a friend of mine she told me her husband's one of my closest friends he's also a deputy sheriff um and she tells her kids and her husband knows this but she has told her kids you won't know the man your father truly is until two or three years after he retires because I can see the things and the decisions that he makes because of his job. And I know that some of those decisions will change. And some of the things he does will change once he's out from under that cloud. Um, well, to that note, my dad's an asshole then because he's been retired for fucking 2005. So almost 20 years. Well, that brings up the, 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 the issue of, some some people are just assholes like that my know. dad's out in california right now yeah do you know how many when he told me he was going to be here when he arrived he didn't you know <laughs> he asked to come and see the kids he didn't he right. this this dude and we got into a kind of an argument because we're all going to a wedding today <clears throat> and i had to ask because i had been asking my dad to come out for my back surgery it's okay like, hey, we really need help he's like can you give me excuses i'm like just let me know if you can make it or not but just at least let me know and I was like, I'm gonna pay for everything. Don't worry. You wanna have to, no, you don't no money. Like, I'll even buy you clothes if you need clothes. I don't give a fuck. <clears throat> I need you. And he's like, Well, I don't know. Well, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'll fucking run around. Long story short, never even gave me an excuse on why he wasn't gonna come. Like, he didn't tell me he wasn't gonna come or wasn't gonna come. And then so two months later, my cousin's getting married, and I get I'm invited. And so I asked my aunt, I'm like, hey, I heard from my dad at all. Are they coming? Like, they, are they invited? I would assume so, right? And she's like, oh, yeah. Oh, your your uh, sister's in the wedding. And I was like, what? And so I call my other sister, who's my stepsister, who's more of my sister than my half-sister, because that bitch is an asshole. <laughs> um, And I fucking start unloading on her. I'm like, dude, what the fuck is going on? No one told me. I was like, they didn't tell me they're going to be out here. They didn't tell me they were going. She's like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah. She's like, look. I don't know. Like I, she's like, I'm not going to make excuses for him, but like, that's fucked up. I get it. You're upset. And I was like, dude, this is bullshit. So I text him. I'm like, hey, man, what the fuck? Call him out. Nothing but excuses. And he accused me of only calling him when I want something. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I only called because I, I needed help with my back. And this is the one time I've asked you to come out and help. But every other time I've asked you to come out to see the kids, I'm sorry. I want a relationship. And all my kids know their grandparents. Right. See, and this but is like, where, uh, like, there's a line between being a, just a garden variety asshole father and being a cop, right? And being, and some of those issues are guaranteed just because from the way he's he a raised. garden variety asshole and the way he was raised. Right. And, and it's because he didn't have a good relationship with my grandpa. Right. And, he and then some of those go. issues, like, like, he sees it as you only call me when you want something. But I can tell you right now from experience, Without that apology and that that 
sit down lunch with my dad where he owned up to his mistakes, I would not have the, the relationship with him that I do now. And if he thinks mm. that you only call him when you want something, maybe that's because he's developed a relationship with you over the years of him being a cop and treating you like dog shit. Right. Where you don't have a close enough relationship where you want to call and share things with each other on a regular basis. And we don't because he never right. even calls me. Right. Right. That's so it's the thing. Be he, didn't, he didn't cultivate that relationship with you as exactly. a kid. He cultivated a I'm a cop. You're a kid. Be seen and not heard. Don't fuck up and don't embarrass me on the department. Yeah. And it's then kind of, other it's kind of 50 50 like that with my kids right now. Yeah. I hope I don't fuck them up. <laughs> my daughter's already 13. <laughs> I think I'm kind of fucking her up already. Well, I mean, you're, you know, unfortunately, you, you share that kid with a, another parent who. And she's an asshole. <laughs> and let's face it oh, hold on hold on hold on if there are any probation officers out there are you guys all pussies okay because <laughs> this dude seems to think he's a fucking cop and i'm not trying to shit on you but you're not a first responder you may be in some type of law enforcement but if you're only dealing with people on uh probation and mainly it's fucking juveniles that's like a third response you are a kitty cop like <laughs> it's it is not this we are not the same i am sorry if that offends someone but this dude is a fucking pussy and he is out here. And I hope you listen to this because you, you sir, you jumped the shark on me. I have no idea who you're talking cock. about. My ex-wife's boyfriend. Oh, Jesus. He is a fucking cock. And Ladies he gentlemen, will not Chuck, look me in the Chuck face. clearly has to air some issues out. He will not look <laughs> me in the face. He, he seems to think that he's, dude, I don't know. He's got some fucking chip on his shoulder, but like if you spend time with my kids, you might want to stare me in the eyes or at least make some eye contact with me so I can introduce myself because you have yet to do so. And I'm about to make your life fucking embarrassing for a lot of people because I'm about to do it really loudly in front of a lot of people because I've seen you like five times. You've had every option to, to come and introduce yourself. So like, look, my question is if I'm not saying all of them are pussies. I'm just saying, do you have a lot of people who work with you who have chips on their shoulders who are pussies? If you do, please comment, let us know. I'm not saying that you yourself are. I'm just saying that like there are some security guards out there that think that they're more than what they are. Right. So and it's being, I'm not and calling I, you. Pussy. I, yeah. I and I will speak like to that. this for sure. For sure. Because I have, I've dealt with this at my current um, job. Uh, the self-awareness it takes, right? Whether you're a probation officer or police officer, uh, like any a firefighter, a volunteer, like we have, we talk to volunteer firefighters. We talk to full-time firefighters. We talk to uh, veterans who served full-time. We talked to veterans who served in the National Guard. We've talked to veterans who served reserve. We've talked to veterans who have been deployed. We've talked to veterans who've not been deployed. Every single person has a level of self-awareness that right. they know their role. They know what they do. They know what they're involved in. They know, you know, the, the guys who didn't deploy, we have to talk to them. You know, we've talked about this many, many times about not feeling like a second-class veteran and yet understanding that they still don't have the combat experience. So they, they feel like there's this missing piece in being well, able to, to, to kind of share experiences with, combat veterans about combat and that's understandable you yeah, you were I mean, missing the prerequisite experience right that's I didn't just play but i don't feel that way no but some people do right right but i've but also that's... been involved in shootings <laughs> right but that's also <laughs> self-awareness right there is self-awareness yeah, yeah. but i have worked with people who are i guess law enforcement adjacent right security um i i I've worked with somebody even recently who I, I've had to look at and go, dude, that's not your job. Like, I know you want it to be your job, but it just isn't um, probation officers. Yes. You put on a vest, a badge and a gun and you go involve yourself in the legal process. And you do take your probationers to jail when they violate probation and you go out looking for them when they're doing stupid shit and all that kind of stuff. And you do risk the ones that are out in the field are risking at least the probation officers I worked with. I worked with some great ones that were out there. They'd come out on patrol with you and be like, Hey, let me go help you jack up some of my probationers so we can, you know, clean up your town a little bit. And they would just ride with me for a couple of hours and we'd go literally searching out all of their probationers that are causing problems. 
Right. I've, I've worked with some that are and they're good shoddy on the spot. But then there mm, are some right. that will look you in the face and act like they do the exact same job as you. And it's not that a probation officer's job is any less or more. It's just right. different. And you have to be self-aware. Security, gobs job, security guard, you work at one facility. You know, the guy we talked to who works at the nuclear power plant in security. That is a very, very heavy weighted responsibility of a oh, job. Yeah, that's, that's that's a no shit that's, job. That's a no shit job. He's still a security guard. It's not. He's not going to be responding right, to responder, a domestic a violence incident. Right. Right. First responders, by definition, are the first ones to respond. The the first. Right. And, <clears throat> I mean, that's why we joke with firefighters about second responders. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. And. This is not a dig on my ex. This is a dig 100% on your man. He's vagina. End of story. <laughs> That's it. And this is not a dig on probation. Right. This is a dig on him. I don't like him. He hasn't introduced himself. He can eat. Ooh, a that's a big thing, dude. Introduce your fucking self. Like exactly. Like, like you're just hanging out with my kids. You might want to say something because I'm about to. And I'm gonna give you the benefit of the fucking doubt because I've been mm-hmm. dealing with my ex-wife and a lot of issues. And I'm like, ooh, dude, like I'm biting my fucking tongue. But and especially about, I'm, I'm if done. he's a probation like, officer and he knows you're a cop, like that should be like, hey, yeah. professional courtesy. I am gonna he's introduce my Dude, he ran away the other day at, a, at my daughter's volleyball game. The volleyball game was over and I was going to say something to him because he wouldn't look at me in the eyes when I came in because I stared at him and so did my wife. And she, we both like mad dog the fuck at him. I didn't know she was mad dogging him, but she was staring at him. And she's like, the guy's a <laughs> pussy. Wife said he doesn't say anything. Ass. And then he got up and ran away. And, and my wife looked at me and goes, hey, uh, he is a bitch. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, he ran away. As soon as the game got over, he got off the bleachers and went outside, like ran away. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, he is kind of a bitch. And I'm like, if if a woman is saying that about you, you might be a bitch. I'm just this saying. Is, Anyways. You know, we should talk about, this is a good locker <clears throat> when we finish our addictions, but we got to remember to talk about like right. how to how to handle like exes and, and new, you know, like if you have children that you're co-parenting after a divorce, we need to, we need to talk about that on locker room, I think. I would like to have some people who've like come on who have been through this. You know, and how they handled it, because like, I'm still trying to figure this. Yeah, send out. us like, an email. Yeah, um, but like I okay, so I think that it, being a a cop's kid is difficult. It's tough. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're all kind of really similar. Some may be less assholey than others, but know that to, if you have kids of yourself, you are going to be tougher and stricter than most parents because you see the worst in people know that it is okay, but try to give your kids explanations. I think that that will help in the long run. I don't know for sure, but I'm trying to figure it out. And I think that Tom has kind of already gone through that. So I think that probably a safe bet is if you are stricter on your kids, because you've seen the worst in people, but you give an explanation, they will end up okay. And they won't feel like a second rate citizen or like I said last night to my wife, I feel like a fucking orphan that has a family that the family doesn't want to see them. So if you don't want your kids to grow up feeling like that, try to be a little bit more present. We have a tough job. Don't get all bogged down with depression. Remember that you have a kid. If you are feeling like that, please go talk to someone. Um, and if you don't have a spouse to bounce it off of, go talk to a fucking therapist. Because And if you're in Canada, don't call the VAC. <laughs> no, they'll want to kill you. Right. Oh my God, that's horrible. Um, but yeah, so I think being a cop's kid is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have traded it. Um, hell, I got out of plenty of trouble because they knew my, <laughs> that was, I told you that, okay, this is, this is a Matt story. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Matt and I were driving over to Matt's house because his parents were going to be gone. We're going to have a party. And <laughs> um, I had the car. So I was driving from my house to his house. And it was literally a straight shot down this long four lane street in LA from my house to his house. It was about like 10 miles, one down, just no turns, just straight down the street. And uh, somehow I had, I didn't drink beer, but I had come upon a case of beer from. A friend who was like, "Yeah, if you're, I got a case of beer you can have for your party." 
And we were driving. We were about a mile from my house. Got pulled over by LAPD with a case of beer in the back seat. I was 17. Matt was 18. Or I was 16 and 17. And we, we, were, we I was like, I'm fucking dead. <laughs> like, I'm screwed. This is it. This is how, this is, my dad's going to kill me. Uh, and I pulled out my license and my dad's business card was behind my license. And you want to talk about cop privilege. This is cop's kid privilege right here. Uh, LAPD cop pulls me over, sees my license, sees the business card, and then looks in the back, like looks in the back seat of the car. If he didn't know it was a case of beer, then he was the world's worst cop. I've ever met he, in my life. He knew and he was about to ruin your life because he was gonna have to call your dad and be like, hey dude. <laughs> and he FYI. sees the business, he sees the business card and he goes, Who's the cop? And I go, It's it's my father, sir. And he goes, Really? And he looks at me, looks at Matt, looks in the back seat, and goes, Have a good night, boys. And he hands me my driver's license back and dips out and leaves us with the case of beer. That's some OG cop shit right now, because like that would not happen no. today. You would have no. that action on camera. Beep, beep. Yep. Beep, beep. Sorry, boys. Or, hey, how's it going? You know, like, <laughs> try not to. Because where you look is not always where the camera goes. Right, but, exactly. Uh, you might you might still be able to get away with some of that stuff and some discretion, you know. Yeah. That's funny, though. That's cool. It, it was cool. And I mean, well, I, so real- I've got other stories about that getting out of shit. But yeah, that was like... Matt, he looks at me and he goes, did that just fucking happen? Uh-huh. Real quick, before we get into uh, dedication and, and uh, closing um, speech, uh, <clears throat> funny thing is, is about getting pulled over um, real quick, because I used to drive my dad's truck a lot, because my, my truck was a piece of shit, and it always mm-hmm. broke down. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad wouldn't pay to get it fixed. Great dude. Anyways, <clears throat> I, was, I was driving his truck, and I was obeying the speed limits, and I, cause I was like, I can't really fuck off in my dad's truck is, you know, a lot, I, even though I did it all the time, but, um, I was driving the speed limit and at least I thought I was, and I got pulled over and fucking whoop, whoop. And I was like, Oh fuck CHP. Oh, what was I doing? I'm like trying to develop an excuse. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of something to tell my dad. I'm like losing my mind. He comes up to the car. I roll the windows down with my little crank. Cause my dad's cheap ass. So I'm like <laughs> cranking that bitch down yeah, arms, and he comes up strong and windows. he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, you're not Bob. Charlie, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, oh fuck. Did you not pull, like, you pulled me over just to see if it was my dad? Like, yeah. And I was like, what's wrong with you, man? And I tell him, I was like, my dad said he would kill me if uh, if I ever got pulled over. And he's like, you better, you might want them to take you to jail because you're not going to like what happens when you get home. Mm. I'm like, oh, thank God. I thought I was losing. He's like, oh, no. He's like, we should fuck with him, though. And I was like, oh, I don't, I really don't want to. I really, that's okay. I'm good. <laughs> and I'm like, this dude was trying to pull some super trooper shit. And I'm like, I'm 100%. No, he's not the person to fuck with. Like, I love to, like, when I got old, like a lot older, I'd fuck with him a little bit, but he really didn't take practical jokes well at all no he doesn't sound like he's got much of a sense of humor no he doesn't he he really doesn't i mean i used to fuck with him a little bit and he would get really angry and i would laugh and then mm-hmm. i would just and then have to leave it at that because right. or like, he took beaten. it <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well funny we got into a few fights and the moment i think he realized he couldn't fight me anymore is when he threw a punch and i caught it and he threw another punch and i caught it and i said dad stop I'm like you're weak I don't want to hurt you. Your powers are weak, old man. <laughs> and, and he looked at me and he kind of had that aha moment where like, fuck, my son's actually stronger than I am now. Mm. And I'm like, that's just because you're old. Like it had nothing to do with man strength because you still had man strength. Like, but you know what's amazing though is, is like if you had, like I have respect for my dad now. I mean, I always had respect for him in some way or another, but we didn't have a great relationship for a while in my teenage years. And now we have a good relationship where like, if my dad wanted to beat my ass for something, I would just take the beating. Even though my I dad's much hurt. older and, you it's know, not like it would hurt. I, well, I would hurt, but it wouldn't like, it wouldn't fucking kill me like it used to, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I just like, I read a piece of advice that says your father should be the one <laughs> man who even in an adult diaper and a wheelchair can still kick your ass. And it's, I was thinking about that and it's because the respect you have for your father should always be there to the point where you would never raise a hand against him. But that implies that you have a father worthy of that respect. 
because there are plenty it's be of mutual. Yeah, there street. are plenty of fathers. Like there's a difference between being a father and being a dad. You know, you yeah. knock up some word, you know, some willing hellhound and you're a father. <laughs> but that yeah, does I'm not, not gonna... make you a dad. Right. I'm not going to lie. I've always respected my dad until of recently, until as of late, because just nothing but excuses. And I've offered nothing but help. I even offered to give him, give him yeah. a $40,000 trailer that I own. Yeah. I'll just give it to you, bro. Yeah. Because he was some stuff that he wanted to, he was thinking about splitting yeah. um, from his, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to really get into yeah. that because I could get in a lot of trouble. But <laughs> well, I could say this yeah. that if you have, if dead. you have kids, if you're a cop and you have kids, whether you're a mother or father, just be aware that your career affects them. Mm-hmm. And if, Absolutely. You think it, if you think it doesn't, you're fooling yourself. Um, my daughter has admitted, my daughter's 21 years old. She has admitted to me things now that she would not tell me when I was working that scared her mm-hmm. and that curious. weighed heavily on her. And, you know, that the the idea that I would go to work, like she was proud of me, but she was like, she always had subconscious issues with what I did for a living. And she told me to this day that if she watches a movie or a TV show where the dad dies, it fucks her up because all her life she was worried that dad was going to go to work and never come home. And Mm. I can tell you that amazing grace on the bagpipes or military funerals fuck me up. Because I was always worried like I was going to have to go attend the, you know, my dad's draped flag LAPD funeral if he got shot and killed in line of duty. It just. Right. So I just I guess all of that about parents and uh, being a a law enforcement parent or being a child of someone in law enforcement, it, it does affect you. And just be open and honest and discuss your job discuss your pressures discuss the things you go through with your kids as they get older in a safe responsible way don't fucking come home and tell your six-year-old stories about the fucking arm that got severed in the (laughs) dude my six-year-old knows i got into a shooting well i mean sometimes that's unavoidable it's just how you talk about it it. yeah it's how you talk to him about it after the fact that really is going to make the difference you know um, I'll tell you this. I growing up, my dad, he was telling his buddy, uh, I was probably five, my my friend Jenny was four, and he my, he was telling his buddy, he's like, Yeah, I, I, this is just a little funny anecdote to explain how kids are listening and how your job affects them. Is he was telling his buddy, Yeah, I'm working graveyard shift. And my friend Jenny overheard it and she comes into the room like kind of scared and wide-eyed. And she looks my dad in the face and she goes, you work in a graveyard? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. It's overnight. Right. But if she had not asked him that question, if she had not been precocious enough to just walk up to him and be like, oh, my God, you work in a graveyard? She would have just internalized it as he works in a graveyard. Kids do that kind of shit. If you make an offhanded comment about you know, I want to shoot this jack wagon or that. And your kids hear it. All they hear is you talking about how you want to beat people and shoot people. And they don't take it as hyperbole. They don't take it as a joke. They're like, right. My fucking dad's a homicidal maniac. <laughs> my, my kid was like, Hey dad, are you going to arrest him? Can't you just shoot and kill him? And I was like, no, you can't just shoot and kill anyone you come in con- contact with. He's like, you're a cop. And I was like, that doesn't give me a right to kill people. Right. It gives they me have these little kid minds. Yeah, and I have to explain shit to him, and I'm like, look, dude, like, no, because I don't want him to grow up thinking that cops can do whatever they want, and they're above the law, because that's not the case. And yeah. so I think it's like about how you, exactly how you explain things to them, and face it, when they're young like that, you're going to explain the same shit over and over, like a fucking broken record. I mean, do you want to prove the cops can't do whatever they want? How about the cops that, you know, recorded themselves on their body cam burglarizing a house? <laughs> You're a bunch of idiots, dude. No, dude. I'll send Where you the video. Send oh my you the god, video. that's hilarious. Where was this? Yeah, uh, I, I I haven't that's looked at the the name of the the town, but they they literally activated their body cams by mistake and recorded themselves <laughs> burglarizing a house. Awesome. <laughs> I'll send you the video, and then we'll have to talk about morons, it. Morons, dude. Yeah. So anyway, uh, okay. Go ahead, Chuck. I know we have our dedication this week. <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, this goes out to police officer Lauren Michael Quartz. 
Police officer Lauren Mike uh, Lauren Quartz was shot and killed while responding to a shooting call near the intersection of Joy Road and Marlowe Street at about 7.30 p.m. When Officer Quartz and his partner arrived on the scene, the subject immediately began shooting at them, stri- striking Officer Quartz while he was still in his patrol car. Fuck. After being shot, Officer Quartz put the car in reverse, and he and his partner jumped out of the car to take cover. His partner tried to save him by applying pressure to his wound with her back toward the approaching gunman. The subject had come downstairs from the building, pointing the gun at the two officers, other officers who had arrived on the scene shot and killed the suspect. Officer Quartz was transported to Sinai Grace Hospital, where he succumbed to his wounds a short time later. The man who sold the gun to the suspect had been charged with illegally purchasing a firearm. The shooter had a criminal record and could not buy a weapon legally. Officer Quartz had served with the Detroit Police Department for five years, and he was assigned to the second precinct. He is survived by his wife, son, daughter, and parents. His father had recently retired from the Detroit Police Department. Mm. His age was 40 years old, five-year tour, badge number 611. Well, rest easy, brother. We got it from here. And good for the good for those responding officers to put take him out down, the threat dude. and put him down. That Unfortunately, it was not in Jesus. time for uh, Officer Quartz, Ugh. but uh, that's fucking terrible. True warrior mindset, though. Yep. After yep. being shot, was yep. able to place his vehicle in reverse, get him the yep. fuck out of there to try to give a little bit more distance and yep. time because distance his partner. time from the suspect. Oh yeah, because partner was applying pressure and like, yeah. fuck, dude, like I. Oh, and G situation. Um, you did you say that suspect had bought that gun legally and gone through background checks and all those things that are supposed to stop oh. bad guys from doing bad shit with guns? Yeah, you, you know. Oh wait, I think, I I think no. you said he bought it illegally. Illegally from because a fucking bad, gun dealer. Because <laughs> fucking bad guys don't care about gun laws. Just I like how they just, put that in there. Yeah. Just saying that. Just you know, yeah. there's that for you. Anyway. All right. Well, go ahead, Chuck. Take us on out. Well, thank you all today for listening. If you like today's podcast, please go and follow us on our Instagram at war underscore stories underscore official and our Facebook at war stories podcast. If you already follow us and share our posts and our info, you can also go to the link in our bio on Instagram and Facebook to reach all of our socials, our media and our website. Our podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well as on our YouTube. If you want to support us, please go to our website at www.warstoriesofficial.com. Grab some gear. We have Wobby hoodies. Shirts, patches, stickers. We also have uh, shirts that will be arriving soon. Not tank tops, shirts, and a couple free goodies that will come along with those shirts once mm-hmm. they are purchased. Um, so hopefully you guys like it. Um, and then we're going to be doing uh, the spring gear and the summer gear. Um, we already have the tank tops good to go for that. So if you guys like um, the logo that's on the shirts, We'll make them into a tank top. Or if you guys don't, you want something new, we'll just create a whole new logo. Yep. Um, and then we should have hats here shortly. Um, if you want to be featured on a show, please go to booking.warstories at gmail.com and send me your story. I get you booked. Um, if you've already been on the show, you want to come back on the show, please just re-email me. You can use the same thread we talked to before. Uh, if you have a friend who you think would be a great fit for us, please give them our booking information. Send us their booking information, you know, and we can get in contact with them. And just let them know about us prior so that it's not like, who are you guys? Because that kind of comes off weird sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, We are looking for law enforcement, (laughs) corrections officers, dispatchers, firefighters, medics, and veterans. Um, So, yeah. Thank you all for the support. Stay safe. Yep. And until our next episode, come home with your shield or on it.